This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Hello, I'm Lale Arakoglu, and welcome to another mini-episode of Women Who Travel. This month, we're taking a break from our typical episode schedule. Instead, you'll be hearing some phone calls between our listeners and me about travels they've taken in search of something. On our last mini-episode, we heard from listener Jamie about her many failed camping attempts, but why she still wants to love camping. And today, we hear from Margaret, who's retracing a trip through Europe her mother took more than 70 years ago using a recently discovered set of Kodak slides and a notebook her mum left behind. She said, oh, we only had one map. She always seemed to want to find that one map, but she could never find anything else, which was always a curiosity to me. And she passed away suddenly in 2013, and I searched and I still couldn't find anything from this trip. And after she passed away, I went through all of our trip slides as a family. It wasn't there. And a year later, I thought, oh, I'm going to clean out some of the closets. And I'm sure this box holds, you know, the, the, the gargantuan hand lotions that you get from big box stores. <laughs> and uh, there was a Kodak projector box under plastic shower curtain liners. And I opened it up expecting to find hand lotion. And it was her trip slides and some notebooks that she had written in and some letters, which were completely gold to me. I got the letters transcribed, the notebooks transcribed. I got all of the slides digitized. And then I took a look and started reading. My mother talked about, oh, I wrote a postcard to Richard W., who was my dad. I wrote a postcard to Richard S., who was not my dad. (laughs) And then there was, we knew about this uh, Italian doctor, Enzo. And he was from Genoa. So there was some glowing glowing things about Enzo and the moon over the, the Mediterranean. And my mother was never flowerly like, like that. So I thought, wow. Yeah, but, you're like, different side. Never yeah. seen that. Amazing. Oh, Enzo. I was really intrigued to talk to you about this travel story you have because my mother, when she was in her 20s, took this really formative, defining trip for her where she and her boyfriend at the time rode a motorbike from London through Europe, the Middle East, and into Asia, and went so many different places. And it's a trip that I have heard her talk about my entire life. Ah, yes, like mine. I think really like sparked my own 
fascination with travel and yearning to see the world because I was like, well, if she's got to do it, then I want to too. Oh, and also yes. my mum is so much cooler than me because she rode a motorbike to do it. <laughs> and, you know, I think something that's so interesting is how our parents have lives before us and we never yes. know who they were then. And they seem so different than the mother right. that we, we have in front of us. So tell me a little bit about kind of the myth of your mother's story and kind of how started to live in your own imagination and how it led you to your own travels. Like you, I've always heard these stories. They were like fairy tales to me. And it felt like my mother was just a legend too. She did this six years after World War II in 1951 on her own with women that she went to school with. They were all science majors too. And what I think they cooked this trip up, you know, working in New York City and in the time after college. So I grew up with reindeer antlers in our porch because she brought back those antlers from the Norway-Finland border. And she lashed them onto the top of her Morris Minor, which is like a small VW bug. Oh my God, my grandparents had a Morris Minor. <gasps> oh, wow. <laughs> was it chocolate brown? No, it was blue. It was blue. Oh, blue, blue. <laughs> uh, and I heard that she met Picasso. I loved art. So what? that fascinated me. But it was always with some disdain. And, oh, he just talked about fascism. Like she just wouldn't give him and the time so this of day. would have been 1951 clearly she okay so she went to the norwegian border and she met picasso yes. i imagine south of france in the south of france yes so was she all over europe yes they started in the harve that's where she got off the boat and then worked their way down to paris and then paris south through the pyrenees through some of spain uh, and then south through madrid jerez in jerez she met Sherry Magnets, who drove them off the side of the road. And then this is the part as a kid I could never figure out. Then she said, oh, then we all met in the next town and had drinks and tasted all their sherries. And then they met further on in Cadiz and she went out and had flamenco with them. I think she was the only, oh, they were the only women in the place and men were dancing on the tables. And they went to Gibraltar. She talked her way in and out of Gibraltar because she didn't really have the right papers. Then south of southern Spain, the east coast of Spain, south of France, all over Italy, Switzerland, Germany, the Scandinavian countries, and then over to Scotland. To the north of Scotland, she went to John O'Groats, which is as far north as she went, Isle of Skye, and then UK. And finally, she took the boat home. God, what a trip and what a time to be doing it i mean yes europe in 1951 there weren't paved roads and there, it was often dirt roads that she was on i'm sure the map i don't even know how they figured out where to go because there was no cell phones no gps only a paper map and asking people where to go and maybe some street signs you know here and there i mean your mom sounds so adventurous and so intrepid <laughs> Was that the woman that you knew growing up? I, I can't say that I looked at her in that way. Although there was a piece of me that wondered before she got married that she was so intrepid to have done this. And in fact, my dad had asked her to marry him before the trip and she wouldn't say yes. She said to him, uh, well, ask me again. Uh, but I think she really wanted to go on this trip and nothing was going to stop her. So 
she seemed to be a stay-at-home mom to me. She was rather conservative, but maybe the independence and the freedom were a little bit different after she got married and, and had, you know, societal pressures to fit into their community and to support my dad. But maybe she didn't, she didn't work outside the home and maybe that was her independence too. She could set her own day and didn't have anyone else telling her what to do. But she loved travel and we, she did encourage us to travel. And one thing I was, I think had a big effect on me is she bought fairy tales from around the world. So I had Scandinavian fairy tales that I loved and a Japanese fairy tale. And I think that expanded my worldview. And so these were books? Yes. And she found them in English. I don't know how, but she found them in English. And I always like to, when I like to travel, I like to see if I can get English fairy tales from the country that I'm in which isn't often the case because Grimm, Grimm's fairy tales and Hans Christian Andersen ha- seem to have the, the dibs on that. Everyone tells me that, but it's been fun. I love that. Everyone has their own type of souvenir. Where have you gone so far? Oh, wow. Well, I just got back from Sweden, Norway, and Finland. So I actually did find the place where those reindeer antlers were taken from. Oh my God, it's still, it's still there? Well, it was a Lutheran school for uh, Sami kids that has a whole range of complexity in this day and age. And my mother had said verbally to me that she remembers the kids singing to her. So they must have had a, gone to a, a performance of some kind. And she took a picture of the outside which was these gorgeous, you know, mustard colored walls of the wood structure. And it had two concrete pillars and this gorgeous grill work as a fence to get inside. And I was checking around. So I was trying to, I, I actually emailed my a hotel. Do you know of this place? And they said, oh yes, it's a Sammy Arts Center. I was like, how perfect. So I made an appointment. And went to see uh, one of the people who uh, is a director there. And we had a great time trying to figure out this old picture my mother took and where it was. And I saw the two pillars. They were still there, the concrete pillars. And there's one section of that beautiful iron fence to the left of one of the pillars that is covered with foliage, but still there. And we took a look at some of the trees that she had seen. So it feels like it's a, a great use of the place now. And I was very excited that it's an art center now and that it's only Sammy Art that is exhibited there. Where are you planning to head next? I know that next. you did, you started in France. Um, yes. Uh, in France, I've done a lot of Spain. I've done Copenhagen, some of Denmark, and I'd like to go to Italy next. And I, I don't think I've uncovered the full Enzo story in Genoa yet. Okay, I was going to ask, are you going to try and track down Enzo's family? <laughs> well, that's a funny thing too. Yes, I think I'm close to tracking him down. And I did actually find where he lived because my mother had written that on a scrap of paper. And, but she didn't, she had the street name, but not the actual number. So I'm driving, trying to find a parking space. And I just happened to park across from an apartment building. I started taking pictures and there's a man with shopping bags and a, he had a, a fold up chair over his shoulder. And he's trying, he comes up trying to get in and I'm trying to speak, you know, 
crazy Italian and French and saying, oh, mi madre es an amigo, you know, and I'm me, a friend <laughs> of, of uh, Dr. Enzo. And, uh, and then he looks at me in English and he said, uh, he's dead. And I, I just start crying because I was like, oh, I can't believe I come all this way and Enzo is dead. But then it's like, how does this man know? And he, he bought Enzo's apartment. Oh my God. And I was, I was not quick enough to say, well, can I come up and see it? Because I was overcome with thinking my mother's dead, Enzo's dead. Oh my goodness. This is just such a, uh, a tragedy that we weren't, that I wasn't there before. And then he, he went in and I, I don't know who he is, but I think that Enzo's practice is taken over by his children, perhaps. So that I want to figure that out a little bit more. And uh, and they have a great cemetery in Genoa. And I saw in trying to find the bread woman, which is a famous statue in the Genoa cemetery, I ran across Enzo's family plot or one of the same names. And that was really exciting, too. Well, you're going to so. have to let us know what <laughs> oh, happens yes. next. I yes. am, I'm gripped. There's more, there's more to come. I'm convinced of it. I think there is. And Lolly, it's funny. Um, my mother always joked that she wanted to go back to Europe and do it on a Vespa. So not quite your mother's motorcycle, but... Uh... <laughs> oh, it's almost there. It's two wheels. You've got to do yes, the Vespa. Yes, two wheels. I should. I have to try a Vespa. <laughs> I haven't tried that yet. <laughs> well, this was... So fun. You had me on the edge of my seat by the end. So like I said, we're going to have to find out what happens next. So I know know. where, where Enzo ended up and, and uh, I'm sure there's, there's lots more to this story. I'm Lale Arikoglu and you can find me on Instagram at Lale Hanna. Our engineers this week are Jake Loomis and Gabe Kuroga. The show is mixed by Amar Lal. Jude Kampfner from Corporation for Independent Media is our producer. And special thanks to Jordan Bell for producing this episode. If you have a memorable travel story, write to us at womenwhotravel at cntraveler.com. We'll be back next week with one last listener dispatch. Life doesn't come with an instruction manual. But the Life Kit Podcast gets you pretty close. Whether we're helping you tackle life-altering questions or just your everyday pickles, we've got deeply human solutions to your deeply human problems. Listen now to the Life Kit Podcast from NPR. NPR.